Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of The Rodcast, Hooray! the Rodman Steel Studios podcast. I am Emily. And I'm Rodman. It's great to have you with us today, Rodman. Absolutely. Good morning. Yes. This week, we are going to be finishing up our series on what makes music. So this series has kind of been just an intro to some musical questions, um, trying to think about things when it comes to music in a way we haven't mm-hmm. thought about them before, maybe. And are we capping it off today? I think we're capping it off okay. today, but... The, the, at least chapter one. At least... At Episode least, one. Exactly. Whatever. At least chapter one. If this is a series you really liked and you want more content like this, please leave us comments. Uh, get in touch with us and let us know, hey, I want more stuff like the What Makes Music series. I loved it. I, I want to hear more. Absolutely. We can definitely make that happen. And, and you can have a complimentary lesson just focusing on that, mm-hmm. you know? Absolutely. 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 So in our What Makes Music series, our first episode, we were talking about what exactly is music? What makes music music? Uh, and we talked a little bit about why we perceive music as music and not just sounds. Um, it was a pretty fun episode. Definitely check it out if you missed it. It was one of my favorites. Yeah. I think it was great. It was yeah. it was a good episode. It was. It and was. Yeah. And then we went on from there to talk about what makes music good, what makes good music, which we talked about why we like the music we like. And we had some some pretty fun discoveries on yeah, that on that, that, that episode. That was. That, 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 namely that someone's internal... What would you say? Someone's internal psyche, someone's internal soul, someone's internal personality, personality mm-hmm. and, and inherent character was more influential to their music taste and external factors. Yeah, but, especially but, but, but pretty solidly. Yeah, especially yeah. especially considering things like demographic information. Yes, um, and, and I bet that is more so easy to do today. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, th- think about how how easy it is to access so many different kinds of music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, even versus being in the 1970s, when I'm sure you could go to giant LP stores and have mm-hmm. tons of records. But how many genres do you think there were? Yeah. You know, I, it, it wasn't as diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, that there weren't as many record companies. There weren't as many people getting recorded. It wasn't as easy to record. Mm-hmm. I have students, you know, without record labels or anything like that that just uploads stuff to Spotify. It's mm-hmm. that easy, right? Yeah. Yep. This day and age. So it's, it's cool yep. that today you can find such a niche market and yeah. survive. Yeah. And it's really cool that uh, people like what they like because we're all unique. Mm-hmm. And we all like different things because we're all different in our own way, even regardless of all these other stats that may Absolutely. be written about us. And so, isn't yeah. that what makes us most similar? It is it is in a way, yeah, because right. music brings people together. And yes. if you if you happen to like a certain genre, Absolutely. happen to like a certain band, you'll have that in common with all the other people that mm-hmm. like that that band. And, that and, genre. And, and what I have in, in common with you, mm-hmm. even though you know you have not fully been indoctrinated into the truth that is Radiohead <laughs> is the best band of all time. What we what we do share in common is that we have a uniquity that. We have our own music taste. Yes, right. We each like what We're, exactly what we absolutely. like. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah, and and yep. they've developed probably in similar ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except y- you were just wrong. Oh yes, of <laughs> course, yeah. Well, but, maybe, but maybe, uh, yeah. maybe you're wrong, and, it, and you know, listeners will comment. Listeners will comment. Listeners will comment. I know, I know, and and they'll all agree with me. You know, well, and, we'll and, see. And, oh man, you know, it'd be fun. I think putting this on Twitch sometimes will be fun. Maybe, if yeah. We'll do it live on Twitch at some point. Yeah, if you got some listeners. Yeah, if you want us to go live. on on Twitch, I think that'd be fun. You'd watch so, a live stream so, yeah. we, we because I, I would really like you know our, the army of good listeners we have 
chastising you right now for okay, not I being indoctrinated. Clarifying, I never said that I don't like. Radiohead. I know. <laughs> I like Radiohead. I just don't like Radiohead as much as Rodman I get likes it. Radiohead. I get it. Well, well, and you know, it's 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 not a question of you know you don't like it as much as me. You haven't accepted the fact that it's the best thing that's ever okay, stepped well, foot on the Maybe earth. someday I'll accept uh, it. But 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 I do have very much respect for your favorite band, which is Toto. Toto. Toto's the best yeah. band of all time. Yeah, Toto's I'm sorry. Dope. Toto's dope. It's an objective fact. Toto's no. the greatest band of all Toto's time. Toto's great. Toto's great. They're awesome. Yeah. But anyway, so last week we talked about music preference. Um, go ahead and check it out if you're interested. It was a pretty good episode. Or two weeks ago we talked about that. Mm -hmm. Last week we started kind of the practical side of this study, which was what makes music vocabulary. And we talked a little bit about music vocab words that you might hear. We tried to give you sort of a, I guess, for, for lack of a better word, idiot's guide to music terms. Yeah. Um, and so if you ha are not a musician, not a trained musician, no experience with, with playing in a band or, or anything like that, hopefully last week was really informative to you and you learned some definitions and terms you've, mm -hmm. hear you've heard thrown around a lot. Absolutely. And, and this week we're actually continuing that. Good. Because last week's episode, we, we ran out of time and we didn't get to talk yeah. about a lot of things that I think you'll find helpful. Mm -hmm. So last time we mostly limited it to terms that had to do with melody, harmony, mm -hmm. and rhythm, uh, which are, s some people will agree, are the building blocks of music. Mm -hmm. And then uh, this week we're gonna get a little bit more specific. Yes, uh, I, I'm sure that you, if you did not listen to the last podcast, you could pause this right now and go back and listen to it just Absolutely. to catch up. Absolutely. But, but, but do know that the way we've orientated this is like Emily said, this is, in lack of a better term, an idiot's guide to music. So, so the terms that we are defining are terms that we know you, you as a common layman listener mm -hmm. can understand. Yes, and, and not only can you understand them, it's pretty likely that if you're around music or around musicians, you've heard them use these terms before, yes. and you might be wondering what they mean. So uh, my goal totally. is to tell you yeah. what they mean. And, and you... you hear these things that we're talking mm -hmm. about too we're just giving you a term to be able to mm -hmm. describe what yeah. you are hearing exactly you know there exactly. we go well so, yeah hit me with something what's so, next so last week we talked about melody harmony and rhythm and okay. a lot of associated terms with that mm -hmm. and we spent a lot of time last week kind of talking about the way that music works in terms of these three concepts. And so a lot, of, a lot of the vocab words we talked about were extensions of that. This week we're getting a little bit more specific, um, talking about m things, things that have to do with music that don't specifically fall under that umbrella of what we talked about last week. So the first one that I wanna bring up is the concept of form. So when we talk about form in music, you can probably guess based on the English definition of the word form, that this has something to do with the shape of a piece of music, how, how, how it works. And that's exactly right. When we talk about form in music, we're talking about what's the order of sections within a piece of music mm -hmm. that make it understandable to the listener. I, I have a question for the listener. Yeah. Have you ever heard a song in which some part of the song gets repeated? I bet you have. Yes. That's what we're talking about today. Yes, yes. That, that, that this is what we mean by form. We're mm -hmm. talking about those things that repeat. I'm sure yeah. maybe when you were in grade school studying poetry, you did that thing where you labeled lines A, B, B, A based on mm -hmm. the, you know, we're doing that but more on a macro scale mm -hmm. in terms of, uh, you've heard these terms verse chorus that yes. I'm sure you're going to bring up. Yes. Right? 
Yes. Take us away. So, when it comes to form, basically every piece of music that you've ever heard has some kind of form because form is something inherent in music. So, the most common kind of form that we have in modern pop music is going to be some combination of verses and choruses, right? And you probably know what the words verse and chorus mean without me even having to tell you because those words have made it into basically everybody's vocabulary, mm. regardless of whether you're a musician. So a lot of pop songs have the form, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. That's a super common pop song form that you'll hear a lot. You'll hear a lot of variations of that form. Mm. Um, and and so when, when I talk about form, I'm meaning the idea of repeating sections mm -hmm. or sections that don't repeat that make the song make sense to the listener. Because if you think about it, if you listen to a pop song and you hear verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, you know that form of a song so well that it makes sense to you when you listen mm -hmm. to it. You, you, even when the verse has just started and you don't necessarily know for sure that it's gonna sound, the second verse is gonna sound exactly the same as the first verse, as soon as the singer comes in on that first line of the second verse, you are really, really sure. You're pretty confident that it's gonna be the same melody as the first verse. And that leaves you as the listener free to listen to the lyrics of the second verse because they're different than the ones of the first verse. And so you're not confused by the music that's happening because you've already heard it before. Mm -hmm. And you're free to really listen to the words. Totally. So, so something Emily and I have heard many times from many conductors and many people, if you're gonna repeat something, mm -hmm. you gotta do something different the next yes. time, right? Mm -hmm. it, so there's always a new element in a good song yeah. in the repeated verse. Exactly, you know? exactly. And that's why a lot of, a lot of songs at, at the end of the whole song, they'll have a chorus, but they'll do a double chorus. So they'll, mm -hmm. they'll do the chorus twice. And almost always, if a band does that and they do it successfully, those two back-to-back -back choruses are not gonna sound the same. Mm. Either the first one's gonna be really loud and the second one's kind of bringing it back, mm. it's quieter, it's making you think, or it's the other way around. You start that, that second to last chorus super quiet and, and, then, and then you build and in. then the last chorus is a big mm -hmm. finale. Absolutely. That's interesting to you as the listener mm -hmm. because there's some variety there. And so that's a, that's a pretty uh, important aspect of form, the idea that Repeated material helps the listener understand the piece, but repeated material can't be exactly the same because then it would be kind of boring. True. Right? Yeah. So that's the that's that's kind of the essential way that form works. So as far as form terms, um, the most common kinds of forms in classical music are typically not gonna be the same as in popular music. The idea of the verse, chorus, verse, chorus form, that's not really as much of a thing in classical music, which for some of you might be part of the reason why listening to classical music is disorienting because you're not used to hearing a piece of music that has a different form mm -hmm. than what you're used to. Mm -hmm. So we'll get into some terms describing form that are often associated with classical music, but not always. So the first word I wanna throw out is strophic. So, strophic. You may have heard this word in relation to poetry, and that's because it's associated with lyrics. So, a strophic piece of music is basically a piece of music where you have different verses, and all the verses have the same music. This kind of form happens a lot in 
vocal music, solo singers will sing pieces of music this way. If you grew up in a more traditional church context and you sang hymns at church, and every time you sang the hymn, you would sing all four verses, and they were all kind of the same every time, that's a strophic form. So it's kind of, you can imagine it being that it's a verse chorus form, but there's no chorus. There's just verses, and you sing them one after the other, and that's the way that the piece works. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that it's a boring piece of music. It just means that whoever is playing has to try really hard to keep it interesting. Because since there is so much repetition, you have to do something a little bit different every time mm -hmm. in order to keep the listener engaged, keep things spicy. That's why a lot of times this form of music, uh, when it's used especially by like 19th century composers, they basically use this form to tell like a total story. And the lyrics are so engaging and fascinating and they're telling you like a real story that the listener is super engaged because they want to find out what's going to happen next. So that's something you'll see a lot in especially like German art songs and Lieder. That, that's exactly where I went. Mm -hmm. Where I, I yeah. was thinking I sang a, most of a Schubert German Lieder mm -hmm. big thing called Die schöne Million? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the, yeah, that's the exactly, most famous exactly. one. Exactly, <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah, that, that one. And it's about a dude who goes on his wilderness expedition. It was like this thing in German culture, or at least in German folklore, that, you know, um, the same way that you got a quinceanera when you're 15. At some point, you know, a German boy was supposed to go off into the wilderness. Yes. You know, for a while. So, Figure out his life. Yeah, so, so, so yeah. The, the first song is... Purely strophic, I mm -hmm. will say. It's it's like a hymn where it's just the same melody over and over. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying, I'm so excited to be leaving. Mm -hmm. I'm crossing this river. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm so excited. I bet there'll be a pretty girl on the other side. Mm -hmm. Oh, this yes. is fun. And then the second song is, is called uh, The Wandering. Vohin, mm -hmm. um, Vohin. Mm -hmm. um, and then it keeps going. And uh, of course, you know, it's a, it's a German art song, so... Mm -hmm. In the end, I kill myself. Yes, it's um, sad. Yeah, it's and, tragic. And, and in the end, the, the classic girl, yeah. uh, 19th century. It is. It is. There was a girl that I was following and pursuing, and she was really dope. But can guess what happened? She died. No, the hunter showed up. Oh yeah. The hunter showed up and mm -hmm. stole her away. And then my last song is me uh, killing myself. From there sadness. We go. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Classic. That is classic, classic art 1800s song. Tragedy. Classic art song uh, lyrics. Yeah. But so so that's often how strophic pieces are used. Yeah. We don't hear a lot of popular music that's in a strophic form. Uh, um, I was I was just sitting there trying mm -hmm. to think. Yeah. There's I th I think probably the closest we would get to that would be like Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. Yeah. Because that piece doesn't have much of a chorus. It's a lot of verses. Um, I, I, I was thinking of that. I was mm -hmm. thinking of Joe Walsh's Life's Been Good, mm -hmm. where it does repeat the, life's been good to me mm -hmm. so far. But for like 90% of the song, it's it's these long verses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Another one I was thinking of that we mentioned last time was Ain't No Sunshine When She's Gone mm -hmm. doesn't really have a repeated part. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't know if you call it strophic because he changes the what he sings kind of mm -hmm. as in you know in yeah. the first part he's like ain't no sunshine mm -hmm. when she's gone mm -hmm. and then there's another verse that he starts i know i know i know i know mm -hmm. i know which is yeah. a totally different that's melody kind, that's kind of a b section yeah, yeah right yeah so so actually that's a great uh transition into this next form that i want to talk about which is 
a lot of a lot of classical music and and this is also some popular music as well we talk about form in terms of the number of sections and what order they are when there's not that many sections right so the simplest of these is what's called binary form mm. and you can imagine from the from the name that this means that it's a two-part form there's an a section and a b section and the, those letters are variable yeah correct don't have anything to do with the key they don't the have anything to do with the, the, the key of the song it's just that it's easier to say a and b because they're the first yeah. two letters of the alphabet totally basically so a lot of um easy piano music is in a binary form a lot of songs from like the baroque period before 1750 a lot of that music is in a simple sort of a b form mm -hmm. um and that's a that's another easy way to keep things fun for the listener because a lot of times in order to make the piece longer the a section is repeated and the b section is repeated so the total form of the piece is like a a b b basically mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's a form you see a lot in classical music the binary forms closely related cousin is ternary form and as you can probably guess from the name a ternary form is a form that has three parts so uh basically a ternary form is if you say oh we just played a piece in a binary form but to wrap things up nicely i want to go back and play the beginning again aba aba so it, the most common ternary form is going to be aba but because the name ternary form just means a part a form with three parts, there's no reason that you couldn't have ABC? an ABC form okay. that you would call that. a ternary okay. form piece. But that's kind of unusual. Typically, a ternary form piece is going to have mm -hmm. an A, B, and then an A section. Mm -hmm. And one of the most common kinds of a ternary form is what's called sonata form. And this is a very yeah, specific classical term that you probably may not have even heard unless you know someone that studies classical piano. The word sonata. A sonata is a, is well, the term sonata can mean a lot of different kinds of compositions, but sonata form is a kind of ternary form where you have an A section, and then the B section takes something from the A section and changes it up and moves it around and does weird things with it and then it finishes with like a shortened version of an A section. So it's an ABA form but it, it's much more specific than that and um, it's this isn't the time and place to get into it but okay. if you've ever heard the term sonata form you can know that that's a kind of ternary form mm -hmm. that a lot of classical musicians use especially pianists. Mm -hmm. Pianists are very familiar with sonata form. Uh, I'm continue, continually trying to think of popular songs that actually do mm -hmm. show these forms. One that I can think is the binary, A-A-B-B, -B, mm -hmm. um, Freebird, mm -hmm. where, yeah. where Freebird starts with the slow section. It's te it's It starts with the slow section, mm -hmm. if I stay with you tomorrow, mm -hmm. right? And it does that twice, basically. Mm -hmm. And then it just goes off into an up-tempo. It basically goes to cut time. Mm -hmm. And it's a different progression. It's a different music mm -hmm. progression. And it's, the guitar, it's, it's a guitar solo. And it, I don't think it ever returns back. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. so that, totally, that's an totally A-A-B-B. Different. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another song similar to that is an Alan Parsons B-side called Don't Let It Show, which is a great song. You should listen to it. It has a fantastic organ part that I think they actually recorded with a real organ, not just like an organ effect on a like a Hammond organ or something like that. Um, and so the two A sections are like verses, and then the B section is like a totally instrumental thing that's in a different tempo and a different key, mm. and it's, it's totally different. It sounds like 
it's two different pieces mm-hmm. of music. And then you just have a fade out at the end. You expect it to like come back and the singer to like sing something again. Nothing but really it matters. Kind of like that. To me. You expect that, but then <laughs> it just fades out and it's yeah. like, okay, that's the end of the piece. It's an awesome song though. So the big, uh, yeah. So that actually leads us to our next point, which Rodman uh, foreshadowed with his little uh, queen, s- his little queen reference is. The idea of something being through composed. Now, through composed is typically like the opposite of a strophic piece of music. So, you know, if we if we're thinking about opposites, light and dark, salt and pepper, through composed and strophic pieces of music. Through if you as you can probably guess, if a strophic piece of music has the same music every time the verse comes back, a through composed piece of music is a piece of music where there's not really anything that's repeated. You couldn't, using Rodman's example of a ternary form, if you have an A, B, C piece and none of that's repeated, you could say that that's through composed because every single new piece of music, new piece of a musical idea is not repeated Mm -hmm. ever. Um, And the Bohemian Rhapsody is a great example of a Mm -hmm. piece of music that's through composed. You start with this like piano ballad thing that Mm -hmm. Freddie Mercury's singing along to, and then it's like you have three more songs that Mm -hmm. are are totally different in sound than the first one, Mm -hmm. and they just all got kind of mashed together. Mm -hmm. And then the piece does end with a tiny little return to that piano thing at the beginning but for the most part mm-hmm. every single lyric has a mm-hmm. totally different musical idea yeah. behind it the i'm thinking of two two more examples mm-hmm. one um paranoid android by radiohead mm-hmm. is through composed that's a great song it's very similar to bohemian rhapsody which is like seven minutes mm-hmm. just a, and it just yep. keeps going that does, doesn't have many returns a few mm-hmm. returns to like ideas from previous mm-hmm. uh but but, the, but another one that that is through composed, mm-hmm. but it has different names. I th- I, I, is the B side of Abbey Road? Mm-hmm. If, if Abbey Road is you know the Beatles album, if you listen to the last four songs on that album, that starts with uh, "You Never Give Me Your Money" and it goes into "Golden Slumbers" and then it goes into carry that weight or yep. something like that that if you listen to it all the way through they actually don't stop between songs mm-hmm. they name the tracks yeah but if you listen to that it's really they a through composed piece of work yeah yeah yep and and that's a pretty through composed music it actually shows up a fair amount in popular music which is pretty pretty fascinating because mm-hmm. it's it's hard to make a piece of music that's through composed mm-hmm. because how do you fill up so much time without repeating any musical material it requires a lot of creativity. It's not just an easy thing to whip mm-hmm. up all of this new material all the time. Mm-hmm. Writing music that is strophic or in in a form where there's sections that do come back, as the songwriter, it gives you a little bit of an easier time because you don't have to create so much new material just mm-hmm. for one track. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty it's pretty impressive to me whenever I hear a piece of music that's through composed or mostly through composed, yeah. especially something like Bohemian Rhapsody that's like not really a short song. Yeah. You know, it's pretty it's a pretty long piece. And then there's, you know, pieces like you've mentioned that are even longer than that. Yeah. So yeah. next time you're listening to a piece of music and you <laughs> think to yourself, man, I don't know if there are verses and choruses in this piece. It's kind of all over the place. Uh, you can give the uh, give the songwriter some props because mm-hmm. it it takes some creativity. So that's form. Do you have anything else to add before we leave form behind? No, I, I, I'm just, I just keep thinking. 
but I think I'm good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right. I, I I can't think of a of a of a very current song that was through composed. Mm-hmm. Can you? Um, let me think. Any. There might be a Coldplay through Compose. Coldplay has a lot of, so like Coldplay does a lot of like the outro song on their album Mm. is something kind of more like experimental. Mm -hmm. Like actually, I think that the outro song on their latest album, Music of the Spheres, it's called Coloratura. And I think that that song Mm. is through Composed. Mm. I, I can't remember exactly off the top of my head if there is a part that repeats in there, but I think that 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 piece of music is through through Composed. Coldplay has a lot of stuff like that. Almost always, the last track on their album, if it's not through Compose, it's going to be in an interesting form that isn't just Mm. a verse-chorus-verse-chorus thing like the beginning songs on their album. Even though they are the kings of wonderfully executed intro-verse-chorus, bridge-verse-chorus. Yes, they are so good at making... Coldplay is a great band for a lot of reasons, and when it comes to form like we were talking about earlier with a the idea of combining things that are familiar to the listener and things that are new and exciting to the listener mm. Coldplay is really good at that they're yeah. so good at that and uh, yeah I love Coldplay oh yeah listen to stream music of the spheres yeah. it's a great album yeah I, I, rap music is also somewhere that I think it's pretty obvious to hear verse chorus too because mm-hmm. a lot of times in rap music the chorus will be the full sample mm-hmm you know like it'll or it'll be, be the, the only thing that's actually sung it'll be the only thing mm-hmm. that's actually sung mm-hmm. yeah yep um exactly yeah but there's also a lot of rap music like especially rap freestyles that doesn't do like a traditional verse yeah chorus thing. it kind of just goes yeah just kinda so but it's a lot of, like like maybe. you're saying it's sometimes it's pretty easy to hear form in rap music mm. because rappers change the tempo or they change the you know rhythmic pattern the mm-hmm. flow of what they're doing and that can be kind of easy to pick up on as a mm-hmm. listener so if you mm-hmm. want to you know test your knowledge yeah, of like totally. hearing form listen to some rap music yeah form form is great test yourself it's easy to listen and test yourself yeah. on form go so the next concept we're going to talk about is texture which rodman actually brought up on our beatles series mm. Uh, when he was talking on the episode where we talked about the Beatles' hair length. So the idea of texture Mm. is actually super, super simple. Mm. Texture is referring to the idea of kind of generally how many instruments are playing at once and more specifically how many different notes are they playing at once across a span of, you know, a a lot of octaves, a, a large pitch range, or a small pitch range. That's basically the idea of texture. Mm So when we talk about there being a very thin texture, we're, we're usually going to mean like maybe it's one person singing alone, mm-hmm. maybe it's one person playing alone, or one person singing with like one other instrument accompanying yeah. them. The beginning of an, uh, of an Adele song. Exactly. Like uh, Someone Like You, where it's yeah. just like a very simple piano part, and then Adele comes in and yeah. sings. That's a really thin texture, mm. only two instruments, mm. the voice and the piano, very thin. And then when we talk about like a thick texture, we're going to talk about like a lot of instruments playing together, and especially if they're playing a lot of different pitches. So like if a lot of instruments are playing together, but they're all playing C, that still doesn't really sound like a really thick texture. But when you get a lot of instruments together and they're playing a super complicated five note chord, mm-hmm. like an F7 or an F9 chord, sure, yeah. and you've got you know five notes in the chord and you got 10 the instruments horn, playing yeah, them, the then that the feels really, really thick yeah. to the listener. Mm-hmm. 
And and so that's basically what the idea of texture means. Mm-hmm. And as as someone who's just listening to a piece of music, this is actually pretty easy to hear. Even if you don't have an idea of, you know, what is what what does it sound like to have a three note chord versus a five note chord? I don't know. That's actually not going to hinder you when you're mm. sensing how thick the texture is. Mm. If you're listening to a piece of music and you feel like, oh, it's really intimate, it's really tender, mm. I can really hear the vocalist, and I can only hear one other instrument, that's going to be a thin texture. Mm-hmm. And it creates a very specific feeling yeah. for you as the listener. But, but So you're saying volume can be a pretty indicative Volume can be variable. pretty indicative because yeah. it's hard to have a lot of people playing at once and it's super quiet. Yeah, it's hard to exactly. it's hard for that to happen. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it volume can be a pretty good indicator. Just listening and hearing a lot of instruments mm-hmm. that can be a pretty mm-hmm. good indicator. Mm-hmm. If you're listening and you can't necessarily pick out every single individual instrument, that can be a good indicator mm-hmm. that it's a thicker texture. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you can if you listen and you can hear three instruments and you can name all three of them, maybe that's a thinner texture. Yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yep. Cool. So that's texture. You often won't hear a lot of other words associated with texture because it is such a simple idea yeah. that we don't need a lot of other vocab terms to describe yeah. things that have to do with texture. So that brings us to the idea of timbre. And mm. this is one of the most, I think, nuanced things to describe when it comes to music. And I think the easiest way to describe mm. it is timbre is the quality of a, a, of a sound that makes you recognize what kind of instrument or or device is making mm-hmm. the sound. Uh, uh, another thing that I associate with timbre is uh, I, I'm sure every every music listener out there, no matter how versed you are in music knowledge, like we're talking about right now, I'm sure you have listened to a song or something and been and had an opinion on the vocalist's sound mm-hmm. and yes. been like, ooh. I'm not a big fan of the way that guy sounds. Mm-hmm. You, it's not like I don't like the way that guy's singing. Mm-hmm. I don't. It's like I think that guy's a bad singer. You're just like uh, I don't like the sound of his voice. Mm-hmm. Yes. This happens pretty common with, uh, as we know, the best band of all time. Some people, <laughs> some people, um, have not fully accepted the beauty that is Tom York's voice <laughs> of Radiohead. But it makes sense. A lot of people get thrown off by Tom York's mm, voice. Yeah. Um, and and that happens all the time because yeah. everyone has a different opinion on what makes someone a. Absolutely. someone's voice sound pretty yeah. and since every human is different every human voice sounds different yeah, and part of timbre is the quality of sound that makes us be able to recognize the difference between two people's mm-hmm. voices so like for instance if Rodman and I were to sing the same pitch in the same octave you would be able to tell which voice is my voice and which voice is Rodman's mm-hmm. voice because well Rodman's a dude and I'm a girl and that's a big part of it but also just genetically our bodies and our voices are a lot different than each other they sound a lot different even if I got one of my sisters in here mm-hmm. where we're genetically super closely related and our voices sound probably more similar than other you know any random yeah. two people's voices you would still be able to tell which one is me and which one is my sister and that actually has to do with science and the way that uh, vibrations and sound waves work. It's actually pretty cool. Um, there's, there's, there's a specific device um, called a sound spectrograph. And you might, have heard, you might have heard of the word spectrograph before talking about like light and wavelengths of light. But basically what a spectrograph is, is it takes like a wave of some kind and divides it into its like component parts. So like a prism is a kind of spectrograph because it divides white light into all the colored light wavelengths. 
So there's a there's a device that's called a sound spectrograph. And basically what it does is it listens to a sound, you know, be it a saxophone or a human voice or a piano or whatever, and it divides up that frequency that we perceive humans to be one pitch, it divides it up into all of its component, un overtones and fundamental pitches and everything, and you can, s and, it, and it displays it visually for you. So you can see, like, it's it okay. looks like a really complicated, yeah. like, sound wave on yeah. the recording studio. The, 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 this is a tough concept. Mm -hmm. I, I'm 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 even having a little bit of trouble. Base, so so yeah. one, do you think you could put a picture up on the YouTube yeah, video? Yeah, I can put a, I this? can picture I can put a picture of what a spectrograph looks okay. like. Okay. But basically, the easiest way to describe this is that actually, so so think about light waves. We know that light waves exist in frequencies that we can't see with our eyes because the human eyes can only perceive the visual light spectrum. Mm -hmm. But we also know that there's such a thing as ultraviolet, ultraviolet light waves. We know that there's infrared light waves mm -hmm. and those sorts of things. And we know that that light exists, but our eyes can't perceive it because they're, they, they just can't do that. They can yeah. only do red through purple. The same thing actually happens with our ears and the way we hear sound. There are sound waves that are too high and too low for our ears to perceive them as sound. Mm -hmm. And actually- The dog whistle. The dog whistle, because because actually the range of what our ears can perceive shrinks mm -hmm. over time. Mm -hmm. And there are sounds that are even higher than the dog whistle that mm -hmm. even little kids can't hear with their perfect ears that haven't de mm -hmm. degraded at all. Oh man, I haven't done that test in a while. Yeah, I haven't either. I don't want to be embarrassed. Yeah, I don't yeah. <laughs> you know the test, you can do the test online. I'm getting old and I don't want to be told, oh, but it is. So what a sound spectrograph yeah. does is it shows you all of those pitches that are being created oh, that weird. we can't hear. Yeah. And and it's it's an interesting concept because even though we can't necessarily hear all the pitches that are being created, by any certain sound source, our brains do perceive them as differences in the color of the mm -hmm. sound, yes. right? So like part of the reason that we understand human speech is mm -hmm. because of consonants that are not, that we don't make sound, we don't voice. Mm -hmm. Like we don't, like especially consonants like p, t, mm. s, they are, we don't use our vocal cords to make those consonant noises. The reason we hear them is because they're creating a frequency of sound that's at the very, very top of the human range of audible hearing. So a s sound mm -hmm. creates a huge, huge uh, like impression on like a sound wave. If if you, what, if you're to like record sound, what, what, what we have we have a tool mm -hmm. in recording technology called a deesser mm -hmm. that specifically takes mm -hmm. out the S frequency mm -hmm. as much as yeah. possible. Because S is a is a sound that mm -hmm. we only hear a tiny amount of the actual sound that humans create when they make S mm. as a as a consonant, which is kind of just a fun fact about the way the That's human weird. ears work. Yeah. But sophisticated audio recording and stuff can hear all of the sound that mm -hmm. we create with s that we humans can't perceive mm -hmm. and this is this is basically all aspects of timbre that we're timbre talking about. yeah th this that is timbre the reason why we hear even though it's the same pitch we hear one and it sounds totally different than the other one it's because we perceive the timbre of the mm. notes um, and that's the same thing that allows us to distinguish between instruments between singers you know, between all sorts of different sound sources. Mm -hmm. 
Um, timbre is a really interesting thing. Um, there's a lot we could talk about with how sound waves work because timbre gets at a lot of the more sciencey side of how music affects our bodies and how music affects our ears. Um, but we, we can leave it at that for, okay. for now. Awesome. The last thing I want to talk about before we run out of time is dynamics. And dynamics are one of the most basic concepts of music that you certainly know, but you might not know the word for it. And that's why I want to end with this. Because when we talk about dynamics, we're talking about volume level. That's basically what dynamics boils down to. Um, so when we say dynamics, that's sort of the umbrella term for like all different instructions of volume level. And the, the terms that we use for volume level in music are from Italian. Mm. and the two main ones are piano and forte. And I can't remember what the exact translation of piano is. I'm not sure exactly. Yeah. But forte, that means strong. Mm, it actually yeah, means yeah, strong. Yeah. Like uh, the Spanish word, it's the same Spanish word as fuerte, like strong. Uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah, forte yeah. means loud, piano means soft. And um, most other dynamic words are variations of those words. So yeah. mezzo piano is yeah. medium soft, yeah. mezzo forte is medium loud, yeah. and then fortissimo is very loud, pianissimo is very soft, mm. and that's basically all of, all of mm. all the important volume words. Mm. The the other two the only other two terms I want to say are crescendo, which is another mm. Italian word, and that means that you're gradually going to get louder, and then decrescendo, which is the opposite gradually getting softer so when and you have heard this a thousand times every time you've listened to a piece of music There's you dynamic. have heard dynamic levels you've heard oh they're getting louder now you have the term they're crescendoing can can, can you have music without dynamics um so dynamics are always talked about in relation to each other right yeah because if you hear only one note since you have nothing to compare it to, it's piano or it's, it's piano forte. Or it's forte. It doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. So technically, I don't think that you can have music without dynamics that, that, because it would be impossible to play a whole piece of music without any note being louder or softer than mm -hmm. the others. Because mm -hmm. if you if you were to play a whole piece of music and only one note is slightly softer than the others, you have dynamics. Then that note would be the piano yeah. soft note. Mm -hmm. So basically, all music you can describe it yeah. with dynamic terms. Yes, perfect, awesome. So. Now. I think that's a good place to cap off, and mm -hmm. and so yeah. I, I want to ask you a question. Yeah, that, absolutely. That, that 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 could lead us into another series. Yeah, we'll so see. So remember, I think it, it was the last episode in which we were talk we were talking about. Um, is there anything inherent in our natural DNA mm -hmm. that makes us perceive? chords a certain way mm -hmm. uh we talked about it in relation is is it uh, what would you say is it social conditioning mm -hmm. that has caused us to associate major with happiness mm -hmm. and minor with sadness mm -hmm. and i think the answer is yes and, mm -hmm. and particularly because one time i was in a class talking about this in, in college and and they they played a piece of music um from the early 1700s. That was a uh, sung sonata by mm -hmm. a lady, mm -hmm. and it was in major. Mm -hmm. And it sounded like a love song. It was in Italian, and the lyrics were very angry. Yeah. So, uh, uh, which makes me think that the major minor thing could be in a, a learned behavior, a yeah. learned behavior, yeah. a learned association. Yeah. Um, now, 
so so my question is like how far does that go is there is there anything inherent within mm -hmm. within notes that you think bring this up and and what one place that I particularly think about a lot and and I had a a little spat with my psychology uh, major roommate mm -hmm. when when I told him I learned this in, in school was that this girl was giving a project on I think kind of this idea and one thing I really grasped from it was her her explanation of a major seven chord mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm gonna say no I can't okay remember. a major seven chord so it, she explained that often when a major seven chord is used and I found this to be very true, especially mm -hmm. in pop music. Mm -hmm. When a major seven chord is used, it's associated with nostalgia. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. It, it, is that learned, or is there something inherent about the chord that makes us feel that way? Mm -hmm. And the, the, the thing that I can think of that could be inherent about the chord is a major seven chord is both a major chord and a minor chord. Yes. At the same time. Yes. If depending on how you analyze it. Mm -hmm. So you could think about it as a sour and sweet. Mm -hmm. And you can think about nostalgia being a sour but sweet, right? Mm -hmm. the, the, yeah. the, the definition of nostalgia is a feeling yeah. that is a bittersweet, right? Mm -hmm. You know, a memory of a lost time that you mm -hmm. can appreciate, but there's pain associated with the fact that it's, it's, it's done. Yeah. But, but, well, and you're absolutely right that this could be a whole nother series. Yeah. What parts of music have some, you know, relation to like nature or science or the way that sound waves work and what parts of it are like totally socially constructed? Because a lot of times there's a mix of both. Totally. And I totally. think what you're describing can still be counted as like totally social conditioning. I, because I, I think so too. If, if the idea is that like, oh, the combo of a major and minor chord makes us feel this way involuntarily, you're still working on a system where major and minor chords exist. And, 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 and we already, we kind of made the inference that major and minor chord is not an inherent behavior. It's not, it, it it's is not something that it has, learned. A, it has some basis in the way yeah. that sound waves work, but not a lot. Uh, I, I, I'm thinking of, mm -hmm. of a lot of Middle Eastern musical traditions mm -hmm. in which like from our Western philosophy, we would say that it fits in a minor key, mm -hmm. but they don't they don't hear that yeah. song and, and associate yeah. it with minor the, they, well, they associate with dancing the idea you know, of key happiness. the idea of key at all is something that's very western yeah you know a lot of uh, i think the majority of musical systems that humans have created the idea of major and minor keys isn't really a thing mm -hmm. the conception of tone organization is totally different depending mm -hmm. on what culture you go mm -hmm. to which is really fascinating yeah, and it's a pretty good proof that the idea of a key is something that we as humans created that cool. doesn't necessarily come like you know from nature in yeah. a specific way all right awesome that was a lot we got a lot of doors opened, uh, mm -hmm. and let that, us know yeah. which which ones you'd like us to go through please, in a future podcast please. series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. G g give us notes, but p yeah. people have been really good about giving us notes and stuff, mm -hmm. uh, and we want more. Oh, I didn't even say the the, the sponsor. Oh Sorry. yes, our sponsor, Rodman Steel Studios. Yes. Get a complimentary, Get a complimentary lesson, lesson when you sign up today. Man, and, and, and go on our website. There's so many perks when you sign up for lessons. We, we do a membership program, and you have so many perks. It includes recitals. It includes uh, workshop opportunities and seminars. And guess what? If you play guitar, I'll give you a free capo and free minor maintenance. This all comes with it. You need some strings in your guitar? Come to me. I got strings right here. Look at this. Look at this. I think this is pretty cool.
I buy strings in bulk, and this is just a box of strings. It kind of looks like you know when you get coffee at it's, Starbucks. Yeah, it's like the coffee. Yeah, That's what right. I was say. Exactly. Like yeah. But hey, this is for you. Come here. You, 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 get a free you, lesson. You, you got a guitar that's just been sitting in your garage and hasn't been doing anything. You inherited like your that. grandmother's piano, and nobody in your family can play get, it. Get the keys. Get the keys. Get the keys. In your car. Come down here. Engage. Let's go. Engage. Bye. <laughs>